Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. From the Aleuts at Kiza to the glory days at the stick, from who's got it better than us to brick by brick, it's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. And we're going to be talking about a lot of things that have happened with the 49ers since yesterday. Of course, yesterday I went ahead and took the day off, enjoyed myself a little bit, but there was a lot of news that came out yesterday and more news today. And I'm looking forward to getting into all of it because it does have an impact on the San Francisco 49ers for this year. What's up, Paul? How's it going? Welcome to chat. Because there was some injury news that came out. Kyle Shanahan spoke to the media and we got a good idea of what the fallout was from, from practice, you know, and sometimes our fallout from the game. And sometimes when we get to practice, we start to find out exactly what happened. You you have some guys that kind of sneak by. And what's up, Marvin? Welcome to chat. That sneak by and you don't realize that they had anything that happened to them or any injuries. But they do have impact on this 49ers football team, especially with cuts looming on Tuesday. Because normally the cuts would be pretty clear and dry as long as you had full depth. You know, at each position, you would feel really comfortable about, you know, who you release. But when you have injuries, you have to worry about making sure you can get through those games. So maybe somebody that you would initially have thought of releasing, you can't now because you need that depth on the outside. So that is one thing to keep in mind when we're going through this. So first off, I want to go through some of the injuries and just kind of go, you know, through how they're going to end up affecting the 49ers. And of course, everyone knows that Drake Jackson 
know, it ended up being a stinger, but that was something that everyone was worried about coming out of that preseason game. I know I was. The way he was hanging his arm, I was just, I was hoping it was something like a stinger. I've had stingers, you know, in my playing career. They're not fun, but definitely something you can overcome. They can linger at times, or you can get them occasionally throughout the year. Usually, once you know what they are, you can somewhat deal with them. So Drake Jackson's going to be okay. And in fact, Drake Jackson practiced today, which is really, really good news. Uh, that's what we need from this uh, 49ers team is guys that continue to get out there and be able to practice. And I see more people jumping in the chat. So uh, what is up, everyone? Thomas, how's it going? Uh, Donald, what's up? Christopher, how's it going as well? Uh, welcome to chat. And, you know, the other one that is, I mean, a guy that has been a part of this football team for a long time, and I don't know how much on the radar this injury is going to be for a lot of people. But for me, it's one of those ones that this is a do-it-all player. So Dante jo Johnson's, uh, the fact that he has rib cartilage fracture, they said he'll be week to week. I, I think that really hurts Dante Johnson's chances of making this team. He was in a real battle, you know, with a, a few guys. But I think that when it came down to it, he was in an immense battle with Darquez Zanard because the way Samuel Womack played in the game, uh, they're going to probably keep one of these veterans and then some young players. And it's probably between Johnson and Denard. And if Johnson's not out there and able to compete, they're more than likely to keep uh, Denard knowing that no one's going to want to pick up Dante Johnson with him having some sort of an injury. So that was a little bit uh, disheartening, I'm sure, for Dante Johnson. Now he's going to have to suffer through this a little bit. Uh, I'm sure he'll battle back because that's one thing he is, is a tough dude. Uh, he definitely gets it you know, gets it going. Uh, yeah, poor Dante. Uh, just like Marvin said, that one stinks. Um, I did not hear if Womack was with the first team today, Christopher. I have been looking around for anything I could find out about that. I did not hear that. And what's up, Hugo? Um, I think they're still going to continue to work in. So since you brought it up, let's have a little conversation about Womack. Now, one thing that was interesting in the game from what I saw on film was Womack was still working through things as far as run fits go. Darquez Denard was definitely the better in run fits, and then Womack was excelling against the pass. So they did some interesting things in that game, including sometimes they gave them uh, you know, reps on first, second, and third down, but other times they also let uh, Samuel Womack uh, come. He was staying out on first and second if it was nickel situations, letting Denard play the run, and then having Womack come in after that. I haven't seen that happen very many times, but uh, going back and watching the film, you've kind of seen that. So Womack, even from Kyle Shanahan's own comments, there still need to make sure he's right in the run fits, but he can develop that for sure during this uh, you know, this uh, preseason period, and maybe he would be ready to go week one. That's something to monitor because Kwan Williams and the guys who have played nickel before have been asked to make big-time tackles because anytime you're pulling a linebacker off the field, you know, that offense feels like they've got an advantage now. They got one of your good tacklers, one of your guys that's able to fly to the football. And for the 49ers, that means Greenlaw or Zizal Shire are off the field. And now you've got a smaller nickel corner. Now, Darquez Denard is a good tackler. He's able to fill. He understands run fits. He's a veteran, so he can make those plays. That's something Womack still has to develop. But Womack definitely flashed in the coverage skills. Uh, he was showing natural instincts and, of course, the ball skills to make plays. I think it's something to monitor as we keep going through uh, preseason to see how these guys are interacted and then what reps they get. Let's see if Womack gets a start against Minnesota. He might. Let's see how they use these guys because we are going to start getting guys back as well. So I'm kind of excited about uh, Samuel Womack, and that's a good question. I don't know if he got first-team reps. 
I heard it was a lot of walkthroughs today. Um, and then Daniel Brunskill. This was an interesting one because he had the hamstring strain. And boy, does this change the way that this battle has been going at the center position because Daniel Brunskill has been splitting snaps uh, with, uh, with uh, Jake Brendel. And now with Daniel Brunskill being out, you know, that, that could mean a lot of things for that center position. I think what it means is Brendel is more than likely going to start. And that means Spencer Burford is more than likely going to start at guard because Daniel Brunskill won't be ready to go for the rest of the preseason. Uh, so the five guys along that offensive line seem to be determined right now. There are question marks right now with who will be the backup. I fully expect, you know, what right now during uh, the preseason for it to be Sutherland uh, and um, and West. And I think that eventually Daniel Brunskill will be the backup center when we get into the season. That's if he's not starting right tackle. Uh, Mr. Corey's been saying for a while he could be starting right tackle. And with the leg knee irritation that Mike McGlinchey's going through, and they said it has nothing to do with his, uh, you know, surgically repaired uh, leg and all of that, that that's all okay. But just having that knee irritation makes me a little leery. Um, so I'm I'm very cautious about that. And that's one of those things that's nice about having Daniel Brunskill. He could definitely fit in there. We'll see if that ends up happening. Hugo G says, I've had the same injury as Dante Johnson. It takes two to three weeks to get 100%. Either way, we'll see Dante Johnson as a four-year this year. He is just too valuable to that secondary. I agree. I think what ends up happening is they release Dante Johnson and then Dante Johnson ends up coming back to the practice squad and then ends up helping this football team in some way, shape or form. And what's up traffic and what's up spy Nick danger. Welcome to chat. What's up, David V. Uh, I think that big pop is on to something here. He says, we'll circle now, get some reps at center uh, circle. I'm not sure who you mean circle. So go ahead and clear that in. I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to get reps. It's going to be Brendel, and I think you mean Zakel, big uh, Paul. I think you mean Zakel, so we're on this. Okay, so we we know it's going to be Brendel. Sutherland struggled a little bit, and then West uh, didn't get that many reps. So any one of those guys could get reps. They could ultimately look to do Nick Zakel. There's question marks, though, because they have so many other injuries as well. I mean, with Mike McGlinchey being out, Daniel Brunskill being out, uh, yeah, and Hugo G saying, uh, Skule looked bad at tackle. They've got question marks at the tackle position. So normally, when you would make a cut in these first cuts, you would cut like your, your lowest offensive lineman. So somebody like Sam Schluter might get released. That's probably not going to happen now because you have guys along this offensive line that you need to play because you have injuries at the position. That's what's going to make these first five cuts a little more difficult than you would think. And what's up, Daniel? Welcome to chat. Because you have guys right now that you would normally release, but you can't because you have injuries at the position and you have the 49ers trying to rest certain guys at the position. This is getting more and more complicated all the time with these untimely injuries. And Mike Thompson says, what about West and Poe? Yeah, West and Poe have both been playing pretty well. I've watched every single snap that Donovan West has had during the entire training camp. He's looked good. Uh, he's consistently got you know the team, the three uh, reps, team three reps or the third string, uh, even above Keaton Sutherland. They did work Sutherland in some, but West was getting most of those reps and they were having Sutherland play guard. And then when we got to the game, it was Sutherland that was manning that third team at center for the most part. So I think that was a little interesting. I think, you know, West is the most comfortable playing center. They have not done anything with Poe playing center yet, but Poe has played pretty good at guard. 
But I think they would like to leave him and Zakel at guards right now as they continue to develop and get used to, you know, playing NFL football. But, I mean, if one of them were needed, I'm sure they could go ahead and start working on them in that position. I think right now, though, because they have Sutherland, because they have West and Brendel, they're okay at the center position for the remainder of preseason. But that means somebody like Sutherland's probably going to be on the roster until you get to final cuts or even West because you don't want to move off of them right now. It just makes the releases and cuts going from 90 to 85 a little more difficult. I know they got a little bit of roster room there, but uh, they're going to have to figure this out for sure because of the, some of these injuries. And, you know, I mean, that's the thing. When these guys aren't playing, somebody has to play in their place. Of course, Danny Gray was on a side field working today because he had some hip and back soreness. But I think that's good news that he was on a side field already working out. There was other guys on that side field as well, including, you know, uh, uh, Charverius Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, Elijah Mitchell, uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. All those guys are getting in that work, and that's good. Uh, linebacker Curtis Robinson had a groin strain. He's going to miss a week. That could hurt his chances of making this roster. So that wasn't good to hear it e either because you have other guys stepping up in that position. It also changes who you might release because if you had Curtis Robinson, you probably wouldn't re you know worry about potentially releasing a Jeremiah Gemmel or uh, Saguna Luby, who still might be released because you would have depth in that position. So it's getting interesting. Hassan Ridgeway is also getting ready to come back. And of course, the big news, guys, uh, all around is the fact that we've got Charlie Warner coming back into the fold. So Charlie Warner will be back. And that means right away, in my opinion, that Ross Dwelly becomes tight end four. So I think this room now is set uh, with the top three being Kittle, um, and then Tyler Croft and Charlie Warner. I think Warner, I mean, he's either two or three. We'll see what happens once he gets out there and starts playing. But I think that was uh, going to make it a little bit more difficult for somebody like Tanner Hudson or Ross Dwelly to make this roster. I seen the other day that Matt Mayoko, before the preseason game, had said the 49ers would keep four tight ends. That would really surprise me. I don't think there's a scenario in which they keep four tight ends because none of them have a specific skill set like Jordan Reed. He went back and said, well, they had Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed, you know, made it so they kept four tight ends. I don't see that being the case because none of these guys are spectacular enough like Jordan Reed that they can play the power slot and also fill almost a six wide receiver role. So that didn't make a lot of sense, but we'll see. I think it's going to be three. Hugo G says, as an O-lineman, you know you are doing good when they don't mention your name. Then Nick Zakel should feel really good because I have not heard anything about Nick Zakel. But you're right, Hugo. You don't want to hear your name called. You want to have nice, clean games where you, two things happen. Number one, they never say your name because you're consistent. Number two, you don't have any grass stains on your back. Uh, keep the dirt to the front part. So, yeah. Uh, Spy Nick Danger says, any chance the 49ers add an offensive lineman once Jimmy G is traded or cut? They definitely could. You know, what happens after Jimmy Garoppolo is ultimately moved? Uh, there could be a variety of different things. You know, they could decide to upgrade at a bunch of positions. So we'll see what happens. And offensive line could definitely be somewhere they address, especially if McGlinchey's injury goes from being an irritation to being more. Because even though you feel confident with Daniel Brunskill playing right tackle, Cole McKivitz being a backup, you would be relying on some guys behind them. Uh, so if you had a, you know, a veteran option, you could go there. You could also just keep Mills. That's potential as well. What's up, David Campbell? Welcome to chat. Uh, glad to see you in here. Uh, Marvin Rose says, you ever see the comedy routine Seinfeld did at some other, some function? He gave them uh, H. Seinfeld does like a football. LOL. I have not seen that. Uh, I'm sure lots of people in chat probably seen it. 
Uh, Vivian says, my prediction, who's making the team? Gray, Jackson, Womack, Ball, Burford, Purdy, uh, Oren, Traverius, Jimmy, Lance, Ray. Um, I'm, I can't get there with Jimmy, and I can't get there with you with Purdy. Uh, but overall, pretty good list overall, uh, Vivian. I'm, I, I agree with most of the names that you shot out there. So, And then Mike Thompson says, yeah, unless you have a few pancake blocks like Spencer Burford did in the game. Spencer Burford was definitely getting after it a little bit, uh, showing some aggressiveness. I did see a couple of times where people are really hyped about his block where he you know, threw a guy to the ground. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, I guarantee Coach Chris Forrester got a little bit on him because he was supposed to move the guy off the spot because they were pulling, they were pulling and they wanted that, that lineman to be able to get down the line and it stopped Aaron Banks from being able to get to a spot. And that prevented the play from having the overall success that they would like. So even though it was nice watching Burford put the guy on the ground, that's not what you want from a coaching standpoint. So I'm sure everyone that's enjoying that, that highlight right now, that's great. Uh, but I guess Chris Forster probably wouldn't be as excited because he wants Aaron Banks to have that room to be able to get you know, down the line of scrimmage behind Spencer Burford and then up to second level. And then you'll give your running back the opportunity to go make a play. You want to get him past the first level and getting a moving Banks, a large uh, Aaron Banks moving to the second level seems very, very nice for everyone involved. But that's the thing, you know, I mean, if you're looking at the highlight plays, they're great, but uh, sometimes the coaching points are a little bit different. And so we'll see how, you know, the handle that. But I loved Burford overall. I thought Burford had a really good day. Um, and Hugo G said, I'd rather keep Dwelly over Warner. The problem is right now, uh, Tyler Croft has become a better pass option than Ross Dwelly. He presents himself as a bigger target. He's also just got sure hands. And he's a better blocker than Dwelly. And then with Charlie Warner, he's definitely a better blocker than Dwelly. And Kyle Shanahan values so much with blocking Warner can play in line or he can play off ball and he can also move into the backfield, which they like to do. And they like to use him in wham blocking situations to go ahead and pull him. Well, that is the kind of the element he's been playing better than Dwelly at. Dwelly in 2019 would have made this an absolute real battle. But for some reason, Dwelly's blockings fell off and he hasn't been as consistent at training camp this year as I was hoping he would be. But he has had flashes. He's definitely in the mix. I just think it's going to end up being Warner because Warner's a tremendous blocker. Brad says, who do you reckon will be right tackle, say, if Mike needs to scope and rules him out for a couple of weeks? I think it's going to be Daniel Brunskill, if healthy. The problem is right now, Brunskill is going to be dealing with the hamstring as well, so he won't be getting those reps. So it'll have to be Colton McKivitz at first. Colton McKivitz is the guy that's been playing consistent all through training camp, had himself a pretty good preseason overall. So I think Colton McKivitz would be slotted in there until Daniel Brunskill was ready to go. Uh, but there's a real possibility that if Mike McGlinchey was going to be out for a little bit of time, you could see Daniel Brunskill lining up next to Spencer Burford. And the good thing was we saw Jake Brendel and them having a pretty good game. So overall, I've been excited about the interior offensive line from what I saw. The development continues. Paul says, Ant, can the club and office of, office of linemen in the back like that push them down? A uh, club in the... Uh, the comment, uh, sorry, using voice chat, it doesn't work right all the time. It's okay. I think you're talking about using a club um, and pushing them in the back to, to push them down. Yeah, you can do that. So part of what he's doing is there's a, a certain technique that if a player comes up a little bit, you know, comes too low on you, that you basically just use them and put them straight to the ground. Uh, it's it's a technique that's been kind of being used a lot by Trent Williams. Of course, Burford went and worked with Trent Williams. I don't know if that's the exact 
uh, one that you're talking about, but uh, that is the one that I'm referring to right now. So yeah, you go too low, an offensive lineman can put you on the ground with a certain technique. They let your balance fall from out from under you. They step back and they pull you down and then they get on top of you. The technique works. The problem is with situations like that where you're in a gap scheme and you're pulling, you're going to get in the way of an offensive guard that's trying to get by. Because in those situations, those offensive linemen are coming down within a yard of the line of scrimmage. You need to get push. You need to get drive and get those guys upfield so that way those guys can get by you. It's one of those things that are a little tough. So, And what's up, David Villa? How's it going? I hope you're having a good day. Welcome to chat. Bobo says, do you think we should re-sign D Ford for the minimum? No, I think they're done with D Ford now. I really like D Ford when you know they acquired him at the offseason between 2018 and 2019. The effect he had on the defense in 2019 was impressive. But he's just, you know, there's no way to know if his neck and back are going to be healthy. And I know the minimum it doesn't really a you know a a time to worry about money because that's really no you know no risk. Uh, but you have guys on your roster that you don't want to lose. I mean, we're talking about guys on this team that could start for other teams, and you saw Kamoko Ture flash, and this is what I've been talking about since I've, you know, before training camp, but now that we went to training camp, I think people now see it in the preseason. Kamoko Ture is going to be a force, and he's already developing, you know, and being able to be a base 4-3 down guy because he's able to stop the run. He did a lot better uh, setting the edge than I thought he was going to do, and that is good news for the 49ers. It means that they have another base 4-3 guy if they need it, or if they just need someone to play a specialized role, he can do that because right now Ture looks a little bit better than Drake Jackson. Jackson flashes with unbelievable athletic ability. But right now, Kamoko Ture, you can tell, is more seasoned, a better veteran because he uses better technique. Uh, but I think Drake Jackson is going to get better during the year. And at some point during this year, he's going to figure it out and he's going to be an absolute monster. And then, then, we're, then everyone's going to have problems. Mike Thompson says, how many linebackers do you think we keep? We got some talent from there. Yeah, I think we're going to keep five linebackers, which is tough because I think there's seven guys that you would want to keep on this roster which is crazy to think, but you got, you know, right away, you know, Aziz, Dre, Fred, those are your starting three guys. And then Demetrius Flanagan Fowles showed out in this game, continued what we saw in training camp. I mean, the guy was putting the hurt on people in the game. He's been barking out instructions while playing the mic. He looks comfortable and locked into four. And then Oren Burks was flying all around, making eight tackles in this game, showing his extreme athletic ability. And the guy's not small either. He's over six foot four, close to 245, 250 pounds, ridiculous size and speed. Those are your top five linebackers. You're keeping a sixth guy. It's probably going to be Curtis Robinson. And the scary thing is the seventh guy would be Marcelino McCurry Ball. I think the likelihood of McCurry Ball ending up on the practice squad is real. And I think Curtis Robinson will either, you know, they'll either try to sneak him to the practice squad, try to trade him, or try to sneak six guys on. I just don't know how you do, because then you start losing people in other areas. You don't want to lose one of these defensive linemen. That would not be good. And you don't want to lose somebody in the secondary because you've built a nice young secondary. It's not really a time you want to walk away from an Omri Thomas or Diomedo Lenore. You know, Diomedo's been playing pretty good. Omri showed things last year. Not showing them as much now, but we'll see. Uh, David Campbell says, is Jalen Moore healthy? No, Jalen Moore is still working back from his injury. They had said it was going to be two to three weeks. That was last week when he got hurt. So Jalen Moore should be back at the end of preseason. I fully expect Jalen Moore to make the 53-man roster and to be one of the eight offensive linemen they keep. He was playing pretty good at tackle. Now, Colton McKivitz was outplaying him as a swing tackle, 
but Jalen Moore was right there behind him. He was playing pretty good. He was putting together good reps, which I was definitely excited about. And Paul says, how would Zakel work at right tackle? He could do it. Nick Zakel has a lot of ability to play tackle. Now, they've been working on the transition for him to be able to play on the interior. So I don't know if they'd want to fool around with that and go ahead and kick him to the outside, but they could for injury reasons because, I mean, there's a real possibility they might have to release Sam Schluter as far as his first cuts. I don't think they want to. Schluter's definitely improved a lot since I saw him day one till now. Day one, he couldn't stop anyone. Now he plays pretty well. He's definitely gotten used to the NFL game, and he's actually, you know, a, a, a decent player. So I think if they decide to move on from Schluter, then potentially Zakel, you know, or one of these other guys could slide back out to ta tackle. Zakel would make the most sense because Poe's been playing good on the interior as well. But the 49ers are going to have some tough decisions to make because they have guys like Jalen Moore, Daniel Brunskill, these guys that are hurt, and yet they're still having to make sure they have enough players to get through these preseason games because they have two preseason games coming up still, not to mention all the practices with Minnesota. Hugo says, so Ture or Willis then? I think that's the question. It depends on how many interior defensive linemen they keep. I think they're going to keep four, which means they keep seven on the edge. And once they do that, I believe they keep all of the outside edge rushers that we've been talking about. They don't really have to release one of them because I think Willis, Hyder, Aminahue, um, I think all those guys are going to be playing interior snaps as well. The amount of times that teams want to put the 49ers into nickel situations mean you can put those guys on the interior defensive line and they can hold up. 70% of snaps usually go in the nickel. So uh, having more edge rushers than interior guys makes sense with that interior being Armstead, Kinlaw, Hassan Ridgeway, and Kevin Givens. Then you move on from the rest of the guys. There's no one that really stands out You know, now that Maurice Hurst is hurt. I think it was a little bit more difficult with Maurice Hurst healthy. Now that he's not, I think it's a little more clear. Brad Jones says, have you watched any film from the game yet? I think Trey Sermon was solid, just had no play that jumped out. Yeah, when it comes down to it, I've watched it again. Now I want to get the, I want to watch the, a little bit more of the film. I want to break down Sermon in particular, because I do think that, you know, a lot of people are a little more critical of Sermon. I think there were some opportunities for him there, but there wasn't a lot. Uh, I seen one play for sure early in the game where he stretched it a little bit more horizontal to the sideline instead of getting vertical when he should have. And that's why he didn't get as many yards, but there are moments for every one of these running backs that, you could be critical of. There's one where a TDP is running left. And if he runs where he's supposed to run, there is a nice hole. I mean, Elijah Mitchell would have hit it. Jeff Wilson Jr. would have hit it. And he tries to cut back. And he ends up cutting back against the grain and getting four or five yards. But if you look at the leverage of the guard, he actually went against it. And he didn't need to. The hole was there. So I think these guys are learning and developing. But I thought Trey Sermon overall, vision, uh, the way he ran running style, fit more with what Kyle Shannon is doing. So I've definitely been excited about his development. We'll see how that continues to go. But I think Kyle Shannon even said, you know what, there wasn't a lot of opportunities for Trey Sermon. So he didn't really have a big play. And that's not really going to be Sermon's, you know, uh, MO. He's not really going to make a lot of big plays. What he's going to have is those 10 to 12 yard runs. Those are going to be his explosives. Hopefully those happen in the red zone because that's what we saw a lot um, during the during training camp. Marvin Rose said, read today that Elijah Mitchell will not play during the preseason. Yeah, and they really don't need to play him. Let's make sure he's healthy and ready to go. He looked explosive at training camp. He looked like the best running back. There's no reason to play him. Let these other guys play, get the reps, and that way you can go ahead you know, and, and see who developed the best because you have to make some really tough decisions at the running back position because all of these guys have had moments where they look good. And I think, let's see what happens when they play against Minnesota and Houston. 
Uh, but hopefully some people stand out because you know you don't really want to release some guys and then end up having to come back. The only thing I'm hoping is that each one of these guys end up getting, you know, if somebody does get released, get them to the practice squad because more than likely they're going to be called on at some point. Injuries happen in Kyle Shanahan's running back room. Uh, Pete said, Pete Gorman says, Brock Purdy should be running a quarterback too. I think just give it a little bit of time, Pete. If Brock Purdy continues to play the way he played, I would love to see them against Minnesota flip Purdy and let him have, you know, those those two reps uh, flip and let Nate Sudfeld go against the threes. Let's see what happens with a little uptick of competition. That's not unique for Kyle Shanahan to do. He's done it in the past. And let's see how Brock Purdy continues to work. If Brock Purdy plays at the level he just played at, then you're right. He's going to make this thing really interesting. But remember, Nate Sudfeld is a veteran who understands this offense. He has full command of this offense and a good working relationship with Trey Lance. He's been very beneficial. So there are some intangibles there that their four years are going to have to weigh. But I did like what Brock Purdy did. If Brock Purdy comes out and shows out in the next two games, he can make it a lot more difficult for this 49ers coaching staff to be able to figure out who to keep. So maybe. Mr. Corey says, what's up, man? My boy Charlie Warner's back. Yeah, he's back. Uh, and, and that's good news for the 49ers because now they can make some decisions at the tight end room. And they have probably the 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 biggest tight or the best tight end room they've had. Now, one of those guys to get released as early as this cuts. And I didn't think it was possible with Warner on Pup. Now that he's back, uh, Fumagalli could be the guy that's gone. And that's unfortunate. But Tanner Hudson has outplayed him recently. Fumagalli hasn't been you know very good in the passing game. He's been good in the blocking game. He's been fantastic. But right now, he's only got that one element. We know the 49ers are looking for guys that have both aspects to their game. It, it It's coming down to it now. I mean, this is a really, really tough one. Yeah, we could get a fifth for one of them. You're right. There, There's probably going to be guys that teams are going to call about. The 49ers roster is tremendously deep, and they can weigh that. They can decide, you know what, this player can really help us down the road, or we can go ahead and move on from him. And those are all decisions that they're going to be, you know, uh, trying to figure out and weigh, you know, the, the advantages and disadvantages of getting some of these guys and then not getting some of these guys. So, yeah, there's an opportunity for them to trade players. They have a really talented roster, and I think they're going to continue to, uh, you know, take those phone calls. And if it benefits them, they'll do it. But remember, next year, they have so many draft picks in the draft. Uh, they, they could end up with as many as 13 draft picks next year. So, I think if they do trade, it's going to be a lot about moving positions, uh, moving up in the draft. So trading, you know, a player and a seventh, you know, to move up to a fifth or or something like that. I think that's how the four yards need to navigate so they can get the most value for those picks. And please get a lot of fifth round picks, 49ers, because that seems to be when you knock it out of the park. Olin Dragon says, do you think number 19 Debo Samuels extension is super high risk? He drops a ton of passes by Trey Lance. No. Um, watching them in training camp, there wasn't an, a, a large amount of drops. Debo Samuel just drops passes. It doesn't matter if it's Jimmy Garoppolo that's throwing it to him. If it was Nick Mullins that was throwing it to him, he just drops passes. The, the thing is, when he does catch the ball, he's extremely talented, and he makes something happen with it, and he makes up for it. So, no, I'm not worried about the chemistry between Trey Lance and Debo Samuel because I've seen it look good already in practice. I'm very, very excited. So I, I have no problems with that relationship, and I think overall Trey's look good with all. And I know we haven't seen it yet, but I mean, he was whipping the ball around out there when he was out there. So uh, that's good news. Mr. Corey says, Teray over Jordan Willis, but keep both. Yeah, right now, Teray is looking a lot better. Those guys, uh, Jordan Willis had a good end of camp, but so did Teray. Teray's pass rush skills 
have shown to be uh, more technical, and he's a little bit quicker. He's got a quicker twitch, uh, short area quickness is a little bit better. He's able to bend, and he's got this really nice move where he faints like he's going up, and then he ducks underneath. It's really nice, and he throws the rip. It's fantastic. I'm, I've been very impressed with it. So I think he's got some moves that are going to be able to you know, take advantage of some of these tackles. So I'm excited about Ture, and I have been. Remember I said I thought Ture would get five and a half sacks this year. Maybe he's going to live up to that expectation. That's why it was a little funny when the when the uh, depth chart came out, the, you know, not real depth chart, but uh, it came out from the media members, and they had Ture listed as the last defensive edge rusher. I was like, no, 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 no. You did not watch training camp. There's absolutely no way this guy is the last one. So I, I think that we're going to see that continue to play out all through the preseason. And Mr. Croy says, Jordan Mason over Trey Sermon. We'll see, because some of the complaints I've heard about Sermon were that there wasn't that much production. There also wasn't that much opportunity. I, I'm hoping to do a full breakdown of Sermon and all these running backs. And if I do, you know, you guys will get to see it. That's my hope. I'm working on getting the, you know, the All-22 film. It's a little bit difficult during the preseason sometimes. But there were some things from Jordan Mason that I wasn't a huge fan of. His first two runs were fantastic. I mean, Jordan Mason looked really good. Uh, it was it was enough to you know jump out and get anyone's attention. I think his last two runs were a little bit more lackluster. If you go back and watch those, you can see him uh, chopping his feet back like you know back and forth behind the line of scrimmage with some indecisiveness. I think those are things that he needs to continue to work on. But we'll see. I think Mason looked good. I thought Sermon's vision looked good, and I've seen both of them in training camp, so I know I've seen them a little bit more than just this game. But I think it is right now. This running back room is definitely undecided. But we'll see. We'll see what happens if they start moving Sermon along. If he stops getting the first team reps. So I don't know how much of uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. we're going to see. And I don't expect to see any of Elijah Mitchell. So, yeah, Marvin Rose says Mason looked pretty good. I thought in the first two runs were fantastic. I mean, that's the thing. They got some depth along this roster. It has been really, really nice. Um, yeah, no, Hugo says everyone's going to raid the 49ers practice squad. Seems like a good idea. You know, I mean, it was uh, last year they were taking offensive linemen like Simeo Calamente. You know, that's who the Chargers took off the Niners roster uh, practice squad. So, I mean, it's probably going to happen. You know, the 49ers did end up uh, raiding other people's practice squads last year. You know, carry on Johnson. Some of those guys ended up coming over as well. Uh, Mr. Corey says, don't forget about the second or third round pick we're going to get from Cleveland for Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean, if if this is the ends up being official the case and Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended for the year, then the Cleveland Browns are more than likely going to reach out to the 49ers about making some sort of a trade. How the the higher the pick, the more money the 49ers will be willing to eat. So if it gets to a second round pick, the Niners might be willing to eat, you know, close to $10 million of his contract because that's a lot of value. If not, I don't know what's going to happen there. But uh Cleveland's gonna to have to make a decision, you know. Their, their quarterback situation is getting real real scary for them. And all the while, more than likely, D'Amico Ryans is also going to leave during the offseason and become a head coach. And the 49ers are going to get a third-round comp pick for D'Amico Ryans for a couple years. Uh, also, Rand Carthon, uh, a, one of the front office guys for the 49ers, he has been you know, working his, uh, you know, around front offices. And, you know, he's been interviewing for GM spots, you know, during the offseasons. He potentially could garner the 49ers another compensatory third-round pick. So, um, the 49ers hiring practices, they get really good guys. No, no, no matter, you know, what race they are, they just get the best, which is the always the best way to go. And now it pays dividends when these guys leave. And, I mean, I'm sure they would love to keep all of them. They could just keep this, you know, front office and coaching staff 
uh, you know, working at a high level, like a well-oiled machine that it is. But, you know, that's going to be more picks. The Niners are going to have a ton of picks and a ton of wiggle room to be able to move around the draft. Uh, luckily, the draft is a long ways away because I have not got into it a whole bunch. There are a couple of players that I really like, though. Um, but Marvin says, what is the most impressive about the 49ers is their defense. They will just dominate you. Ask Green Bay. Yeah, and that was the defense that, you know, of course, Green Bay didn't have Aaron Rodgers, didn't have, you know, their studs in as well. Uh, but the 49ers showed extreme depth. And I can't wait for everyone to see what happens when Emmanuel Mosley and, and Charvarius Ward get out there. When they're out there, things change. On the outside, these receivers don't have space to be able to make plays. One of the most exciting things to watch. And at practice, you would see moments where this defense would just absolutely clamp everyone down. Trey would be looking around, and there's just no one open. And when I started seeing Trey do that, I would always be like, come on, Trey, get rid of the ball. And then I would be watching as well and look into the secondary, and everyone is completely blanketed. There's just nowhere for him to go to the, with the ball. It is extremely impressive, and that starts with those two guys. But, I mean, also guys like Jimmy Ward do a really good job. So it's exciting. This 49ers defense is going to be fun to watch. I think everyone's going to going to really enjoy watching them because they can clamp you when they need to. And that's one of the most important things, especially when you get into these games against some of these big-time uh, quarterbacks and big-time receivers. Let's see what we got it going on in chat. Number one this, number one defense this year, Ant. I love that, David V. I really do. I hope that happens. Uh, David V coming through with that. I would, I would love for that to happen for sure. Uh, 49ers owned by Stafford. Uh, that's not a troll. Not at all, right? Oh, geez. Um, Mr. Corey says, I'm glad Zach Wilson wasn't seriously hurt. I don't care about a possible high pick from them. It just meant Wilson wasn't gone for the year. Yeah, I didn't really want to see Zach Wilson hurt either. Overall, as a player, I really like Zach Wilson. He was one of my guys coming out of that draft. He's very uh, got a lot of skills. I think he could be a player, a good player. Plus, I always cheer for Robert Sala. I think Robert Sala is a really good guy. I want to see him be successful. The fact that he went to the AFC has been very good because I can cheer for the Jets all the while. It has no effect on my 49ers. I think that's always a good situation. So, yeah, I'm glad Zach Wilson's healthy. I don't want to see anyone get hurt. Um, but I also want to see Robert Sala do well, and he needs that young quarterback to continue to develop. because I, I like him. This same with Mike McDaniel. With the Dolphins. I just want to see them good. I like those guys. I think those guys are good guys. They're good football guys. And that's the kind of guys we need in the NFL. Just really good guys. So, um, yeah. A Golden Dragon says, expect the 49ers to target a right guard and Travis Hunter during the 2023 NFL draft. I don't know if they'll go right guard. Burford could be the right guard of the future. We could actually be targeting a right tackle. The 49ers could move that way and, you know, let Mike McGlinchey walk in free agency get a comp pick for Mike McGlinchey leaving, which would be probably a third round comp pick, and then replace him with a right tackle. That is a potential. Or you could just get someone in free agency if somebody comes available. You can make a trade. You have a ton of draft capital that you're going to be using. So the Forgers are going to have plenty of options. You know, I, I love Mike McGlinchey, but if this knee thing continues and he continues to have injuries this year, the Forgers are just going to have to move on when they have the opportunity. Mike Thompson says, where are you at practice today? And I need, I heard Debo was running more wide back. No, I'm not there. So at this point in the, in the practices, Mike, it gets to where it's just credentialed personnel. So these are beat writers, guys that write for, you know, the athletic and, and for SI, you know, and for the newspapers, like the Chronicle and all that. They, those are the guys that are going to be there. Those are the guys that are going to have those, you know, those views. But yes, I did read that as well, that Debo Samuel was playing more wide back. 
Um, and we saw it a little bit during the practices. They put in a, a package. I think it was Tuesday of the last week. They put in a package of Debo or the, yeah, the, the, the week he came back, maybe it was like Tuesday or Thursday. They put together one. So uh, I think that that is something that um, they've been working on pretty extensively. And now that it's not in front of fans and it's a little bit more uh, secretive, they're going to start putting in more and more of their install as they work closer to getting into the Chicago Bears. But I heard it was enough wide back that it equaled to what they were doing at the end of the year, which surprises me a little bit. The fact that Debo Samuel could be used that much early in the year uh, definitely keeps me on my toes a little bit. So I don't know. Um, Christopher Blankenship says, was it too early for more or was it just not his style to get toasted? Um, that play that he got go that he got toasted on, uh, Christopher was a it's a zero coverage, which means they have no safety help. And in fact, he came up and was playing the man in the slot. And then they were running an overload blitz. They were bringing both linebackers from that side. And it's one of those things where he's got to he's got to be able to hold on to that receiver a little bit. He tried to come up with a press man. Uh, he used a little bit of a wrong technique and opened the gate on him. He needed to get his left hand. Yeah, he wanted to force him or use his right hand. I'm sorry. He wanted to force him to the sideline and use the sideline you know, as help. So he put went out to put his hand on him, but he didn't get enough of a jam on him. And so it overall, it didn't work out. Uh, playing a different technique, maybe playing off may have been the way to go, but he could have just also um, not expected for Dalbs to not only have that quickness, uh, but then be able to outrun him the way he did up the field. So that wasn't a good look, but I don't think D'Amico Ryans normally wants to put you know, a safety in that situation. He did with Tart, he did with Ward, and Ward can normally handle those situations but a deep fade, a deep slot fade is difficult for corners. K1 Williams was getting beat on those last year. Uh, so for Tarverius Moore, it's safety to get beat on that. It's it's not, you know, that shocking. You're hoping that the blitz is going to get home in time, and it didn't. So would I like to see a little bit better technique from Tarverius Moore? Yes. Could we see him change his technique now? Probably. So I think that's what's going to happen. They're going to fix that a little bit. Uh, and you'll probably see him in the, more of those opportunities. And let's see if it becomes one rep or multiple reps that, that he has problems with. And what's up, Freddie Mac? Trey, welcome to chat. Uh, glad to see you in here. Uh, Mike Tom said, cheering for Sala and McDaniel. Finn should be competing for a playoff spot this year. Definitely as long as Tua can get it done. Definitely as long as Tua can get it done. I still have my questions about Tua, even though I really liked him in college. I, I did. I was just a little worried about him when he came out. So, um, Mr. Corey says, let McGlinchey walk. Yeah, Mr. Corey is not a huge fan of Mike McGlinchey. Uh, Christopher says, if Banks pans out, need to target a uh, a center. Jalen Moore can be a, a right tackle if he stays healthy. Jalen Moore definitely could be a right tackle. Uh, the center position, they could also have that guy on the roster right now if they end up wanting to develop a Nick Sakel or a Jason Poe into playing center. It doesn't mean because they're starting at guard right now that they couldn't ultimately do that. It could also be West. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, if they decided they needed to go high in the draft for a center, that would make sense. Jalen Moore could play right tackle, or it could be Colton McKivitz. Um, because Colton McKivitz is not old, that much older than Jalen Moore. He just came out the draft before. They're both fifth-round picks. Colton McKivitz has had himself an excellent training camp. So I think they do have options, but you're right. Jalen Moore makes a lot of sense. I would love that if Jalen Moore played right tackle. Um, because I think they have guys that can definitely get it done that they've already drafted. But I think they're going to continue what they've been doing right now. They're probably still going to take late-round offensive linemen and then continue to develop. And so far, Chris Furster and this coaching staff has done a really good job of building this offensive line. So definitely been excited about the O-line. So I'm, I'm good with it. 
Uh, Mr. Corey says, don't tell anyone, Ant, but Zach Wilson is who I wanted. Trey Lance, uh, it, it jumped on me. Trey Lance was number two. Um, Mr. Corey, don't worry about it because I was out, out here of saying every single day in the draft that I wanted um, Zach Wilson. I wanted Zach Wilson, and then Trey Lance was the next one that I wanted after that. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. And, you know, once Trey Lance was drafted, I'm fully behind it. Once I've seen Trey Lance, I'm still excited about it. I still like Zach Wilson. I still like Trey Lance a lot. Uh, I I understand why Kyle Shanahan was so high on Lance because of the the extra things, the way he's able to extend plays, uh, make things happen with his legs. Those are added elements to Kyle Shanahan's offense. You don't get with very many guys. Now, Wilson can extend plays too and beat you with his legs, but not to the level that um, that Trey does. So, yeah, I mean, I think everyone was excited about that quarterback room, and I was with you on that. I, I'm not going to say I wasn't. There's a plenty of, of videos out on me saying I would I would take Zach Wilson. So, uh, Trey, uh, Trey Lance now, yeah, I, I like him now, but I was definitely with you on that, so for sure. Uh, the problem with making a trade like Shanahan did is that if it goes wrong, you have mortgaged your team's future. You're right, Marvin. I mean, that's the case, right? You, they took a shot. They took a chance. And if it didn't work out well, if it doesn't work out well with Trey Lance, uh, Kyle Shannon and John Lynch are going to be gone. They're not going to be able to survive that mistake. Now, if it goes well, um, they're probably going to win a Super Bowl. And that means that it was well worth it. So it's one of those things where, yeah, they they, they put all that all of it in there uh, and they took their chance and, and now it's working out. And we've got a... We've got a $2 super chat from Bobo. I love the talk, hanging out with the 49ers fans on a Sunday. Yeah, I love it too. Always nice to have Sunday football. You know, and there's a lot of information, of course, is coming out from practices. An interesting week because the 49ers played on Friday. So they have, you know, they get back in there, they film it, they have their meetings on Saturday. And then on Sunday, they're getting back after with practice. You know, and they do have a media schedule. I'll tell you guys exactly what's happening this week. That way you guys uh, know what's going on. So today was practice. Um, then D'Amico Ryan's at his press conference. And then, of course, tomorrow, they're practicing uh, at 1025. 9.15, Kyle Shanahan's going to be doing a press conference. Uh, so he's going back to doing his pre-practice press conferences. I think he likes those better than talking about what happened after practice. Tuesday, the players have a day off. Um, so the, the, they're going to have a day off because they're going to be traveling to Minnesota. When they travel to Minnesota, you know, they're going to be going in that scrimmage. So it's going to be fun to watch. I, I think that's going to be interesting. But well, this is a little bit interesting. Uh, preseason uh, schedules are fun. Uh, they make for some interesting times for all of us uh, to talk 49ers. I'm looking forward to the season when it's a little bit more structured. But, hey, who doesn't like talking football on Sundays? I think football uh, Sundays are made for football, which is great. So uh, I'm excited. Marvin says, so do you not like McGlinchey because he went to Notre Dame? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think he's asking Mr. Corey that. Now, McGlinchey is interesting because I think McGlinchey's a good player who runs the ball really or is really good in run blocking. I've always been excited about him. He mauls people. I want him to be healthy and I want him to have a really good season because I think him and Spencer Burford on the right side mauling people, Aaron Banks and Trent Williams on the left side mauling people because I think Banks is going to eventually start mauling people. The only position we're not going to have a complete mauler at is center with Brendel. I mean, Brendel's not a mauler. He's one of those guys that uses extreme athletic ability and technique to get where he needs to go, but he's very helpful for this interior offensive lineman, the two guards right now. They were doing a lot of double teams, pressing up the second level and making good blocks. So I, I do like Brendel, what he was doing so far in this game. Uh, I wish that Zakel would end up being that guy at center, 
because watching Zakel's uh, college film, he's a mauler too. Imagine if you could get five maulers along this offensive line. Kyle Shannon would really be excited about this run game, especially with 220-pound running backs coming at you every single day. You could definitely wear people down, and maybe that's what they're working to. But right now, Brendel is going to be uh, doing the job. Brendel's got, Brendel's got it, you know? Um, Hugo G says, I wanted Lynch to call the Colts about luck. That would have been interesting for sure. I know we we kind of had some conversations about that too, especially when there was the rumors that Luck was potentially thinking about coming back. That would have been uh, interesting for sure. Uh, and what's up, Gary? Welcome to chat. I'm glad you made it in. Uh, this has been a fun one so far. Um, Mr. Croy says, we didn't mortgage any future. Drake Jackson's a first-round talent. So that was like having a first round pick in 2022. And with all these picks, we can trade in the first and we can trade into the first in 2023 Lance over Tua. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it's, it all depends on how it plays out. Now the 49ers getting all the way to the NFC championship game definitely made their first round pick in 2022, a lot less valuable, which took some of the sting out. If 49ers would have had a bad year and it would have been a top 10 pick. We would not be having this conversation, Mr. Corey. We'd be talking about 49ers gave up a tremendous amount or quarterback did not did not help in 2021. But because it worked out the way it did, and we're hopeful that the Forters are going to have another playoff run, the Miami's pick is going to be pretty low, and it might even be taken by the NFL, depending on what happens. So I think that when it comes down to it, because of the way the 49ers are playing, it's definitely going to be uh, less painful, those, those picks, and hey, it's going to work out. I mean, it's basically, I mean, two second-round picks for Trey Lance. Uh, I'm taking that, taking that every single uh, every single day. Uh, Marvin Rosas does not look like the 49ers will sign Treader. I don't think so. I don't think JC Treader is going to be a part of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, from what I saw from Brendel during this game, he looked pretty good. You know, Brunskill being injured, I think, complicates things a little bit as far as the competition. I think Brendel will just, you know, get more and more reps, and he'll build more continuity with Banks and, and, and Burford. Let's see how much that pays dividends when we get into the Minnesota game, because we'll probably see those guys play together. We probably won't see much Trent Williams. We won't see any Mike McGlinchey, but we'll see those other guys playing together. And we're going to get nice reports coming out of practice to see how these guys are developing and how these guys are playing against Minnesota's defense. Mike Thompson, we, we suck at first-round picks anyhow. Thick, uh, fifth is where we flourish. For some reason, first-round picks can be a little bit of an interesting way for the 49ers. Uh, sometimes they struggle, but let's remember that you got Nick Bosa in the first round. You got Trey Lance in the first round. Those seem to be really good picks. So I think at times it can benefit you. Mike McGlinchey overall, I thought has been fantastic in the run blocking area. I think that's a win. Uh, I don't know how many people would agree with me because he was ninth overall. You probably want more of your ninth uh, pick, but I thought he's done pretty well. So I thought they've had some success in the first round. And I think they've had some success, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of places. So, uh, David Campbell says it was really just two first rounders, not three, which is still a lot. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's still a lot. Um, anytime that you are giving up first round picks, you're giving up potential to, to strike on some big time players. So that's a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of work. Uh, what did you think of West's work yesterday? Uh, Donovan West is one of those guys. I've seen him continue to get better. I think he's better and better. Uh, he he struggles at times. There are times when I worry about him still getting too tall, still playing narrow, uh, struggling a little bit with some of the strength issues. But those are things I think he's going to continue to be um, getting better and better at. Uh, so I think Donovan West might get more work, so that would be fun. I do want to see West get even more and more work as we continue to go through this uh, preseason. 
because I think he's one of those guys that may not help the 49ers in 2022, but you never know about 2023 and beyond. Hugo says, Armstead also first, and we waiting on Kinlaw. Yeah, you're right. Armstead was a, ended up being a really good first-round pick. Uh, that was a good one. Buckner, of course. Well, Armstead was in a different regime, though. Buckner was in a different regime, but Kinlaw was definitely this one. So, I mean, John Lynch can take credit for that one for sure, and hopefully Kinlaw ends up panning out. He's looked healthy, and that's good news. I mean, the fact that he's healthy is the most important thing right now. Uh, and Christopher says, congratulations to Kyle Juszczyk for being named NFL Top 100 list. Finally, that's good to see Kyle Juszczyk get the recognition he deserves. He's definitely one of the top 100 players in this league. A lot of time, fullbacks don't get that respect. They definitely need to get that respect. Golden Dragon says, number 50, Jordan Mills looks fantastic, but he's just counter-cheating. Um, right now, I don't know what is going to happen with Jordan Mills. I know he'll be on the roster probably for the rest of the preseason. He'll probably be a part of the last cuts uh, if he gets cut, but I don't think they want to release one of these young guys, and I don't think he's outplayed uh, Colton McKivitz or Daniel Brunskill or early on what I saw from Jalen Moore. So I think right now he's on the outside looking in, but it was a nice veteran to bring through who maybe they can end up stashing on the practice squad, or if he doesn't want to be there, they can end up bringing him back at some point. So, yeah, I mean, we got that going for us. Um, and then Mr. Croix is brand new because a first-round pick. There's another good one. So well done. Everyone's thinking of these first-round picks. I like it. I like it a lot. And Twisted Clown says, Hi, Ant. Does Kittle get more TDs combined this year than Debo does rushing? I know he blocks, but I want to see him in the end zone more. Um, yeah, I think so, Twisted Clown. I do. I think they're going to use George Kittle a little bit more in the passing game than they use him in the running game. I think they still want to use him in the run game. But I think that in certain situations, they're going to want to put him in uh, positions where he can go against a linebacker or safety. And with the kind of way that they're going to be able to use Trey Lance, he's going to occupy some defenders just with the fear of running. That fear of running is going to keep a linebacker's attention on him, potentially keep a edge rusher's attention on him, which may, may make it easier for George Kittle to be able to go off for passes instead of helping in the pass game. So I think that that's one of those areas that's going to benefit George Kittle because of Trey Lance. And also, so much focus on Debo Samuel you can put him in motion. You could have George Kittle on the left side in line. Motion Debo Samuel across, and those linebackers everyone to get his attention. You could get situations where that frees things up with George Kittle. So the emergence of Debo, the emergence of Brandon Ayuk, and now Trey Lance occupying eyes with his quarterback position, being able to run the football, I think does help Kittle get touchdowns. I think Kittle probably has his best production this year in the red zone that we've seen so far, and that's saying a lot. And I've seen those two connect on a bunch of plays in the red zone. They've looked pretty good so far. Uh, Callie, Callie says, and Jimmy Ward made the NFL top 100 list at number 96. Good. It's nice to see 49ers players getting recognized. Jimmy Ward deserves that. Jimmy Ward is one of the better uh, safeties in this league. And so him getting recognized means that the other players in the league are, are noticing his game. And that's good news. So I, I love that. I love that that's coming out, that these guys are starting to get recognized as the players that they are. And uh, I think that's what's important is that these guys continue to get the recognition all the while they got to keep, keep going out there and proving exactly how good they are. And uh, that's the thing. You're only as good as your last season. That's what these guys are finding out right now. Um, so I'm, I'm glad. Mike Thompson says, I looked at the list first. Have been better than I remember besides Foster and Thomas. Yeah, I mean, Foster and Thomas didn't work out. Thomas ended up being a tweener. That never really worked out, and Ruben Foster just couldn't get out of his own way. 
and those two ended up being bust and they were in the same draft i think they were hoping that those two were going to end up being bosa you know and fred warner and it didn't work out luckily for us the four yards found Fred Warner in the third round and the next year because of Jimmy Garoppolo getting hurt, the Niners picked second overall and got Bosa. So it ends up working out because that's what they were trying to get, that defensive lineman linebacker connection. And it didn't work out that year. But, you know, if, if, if you fail the first time, you learn from your mistakes, and you go get it. And Bosa was a can't-miss uh, guy, and Warner was an absolute find. So two different circumstances, but it ends up working out really, really good for them. So I'm I'm excited about that. Let's see. Yeah, the 49ers are so stacked. Uh, the Yak Brothers about to um, RIP. I like that, Hugo G. Yeah, they're stacked all over the place. This 49ers team is loaded from top to bottom. You've seen all the skill players. You've seen Ray Ray McLeod mix that guy, you know, during the game. Danny Gray go ahead and beat the guy. Uh, you know, a guy playing 15 yards off on a on a vertical to the sideline. It was an absolutely fantastic throw. So it's one of those things where the 49ers have the weapons and they've been building this team, building weapons, getting weapons that Kyle Shannon wants to use, guys with different skill sets that he can miss and match to be able to put him out there and get certain looks. That's what he was trying to do with Debo Samuel, with Jalen Hurd when he had that draft. And he's just continued to try to find guys that have certain skill sets that he can use to the best of their abilities. And I like that. And I like what he's going to be able to do scheme-wise. We haven't seen any scheme yet. Everything you saw in that first game was completely vanilla offense. This is things they've been doing the entire training camp. If they went out there and execute, and that's what it's about. When you can run the most rudimentary, rudimentary play, but as long as you execute it, it will work. And that's what we've seen in the run game, you know, and that's what's great about some of the film that's going to be coming out is you're going to see some of these running backs had opportunities at holes that were there from this line and they didn't take advantage of it. And then you're going to see other times where the line didn't really create an opportunity. The running back made something happen, but they're all those things are going to be coached up. The line's going to work with those offensive linemen, the running back coach, you know, Anthony Lynn's going to work with the running backs. They're going to fix these things. And by the time we get to Chicago, things are going to be a lot smoother and go a lot better. And that was a problem with the 49ers early in last year was execution. And I think they've really fixed that because his coaching staff is getting on these guys right away. And then you have key veterans helping out to make sure these guys execute certain plays. David Campbell says, I read that McLeod was being used in the backfield today. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me at all. I've seen him so far used in fly sweeps. I've seen him used in ghost motion going behind. I've seen him used in reverses, screen passes. I hadn't seen him line up in the backfield yet, but I anticipated it from what I had seen with him in, in Pittsburgh. I went back and watched that film when the 49ers signed him. Before we made the Ray Ray's role video, I went and watched a lot of the things that he did when he played for Carolina, when he played for Pittsburgh, to make sure I knew exactly how Kyle Shannon envisioned them using Ray Ray McLeod. And I do think those are areas he's going to be used. They have a lot of versatility. They have a lot of guys that can do things, not just Debo Samuel. And I do think Ray Ray McLeod is going to take some of the pressure off uh, Brandon Ayuk to kind of take over some of those roles because they don't really want Ayuk running the ball from the backfield. They want him catching quick screens, but I also think that's an area where Ray Ray is going to be used. So that's an exciting fact because it means the Niners just going to have a variety of different guys they can put everywhere, which makes defensive guys have to freeze and focus on these guys along the way. It's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough. Uh. Golden Dragon says Ray Ray McLeod was a 4-3 speed, faster than what he did at the NFL Combine. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod is, is fast. I mean, he, he can move. He's a good route runner. Uh, the things he does really well, I know we saw him run the deep seam, which was fantastic, but I've seen him really operate in the corner routes and the out patterns the best. I mean, he, he's got really good footwork. He's able to make quick cuts, uh, quick cuts 
uh, press in the top of his stem and then break off and create separation. Those are things I really like from him. So I think he's going to have himself a good year. And those are throws that Trey Lance feels comfortable making. So I think that's going to work out for the 49ers. And an added aspect to this offense you didn't see all the time with Jimmy, but stuff that Trey really enjoys doing and that work out for him. Paul says, with the team we have this year, are we really talking about drafts and next year? Come on, man. Let's enjoy 2022-2023. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great year. I think it's it's really going to be fun. This is going to be a fun season. But unfortunately, there are people that really work on the draft right now. I mean, there's people that are breaking down the draft. Draft has become a different monster. I love to talk about what's going on right now. I could definitely save the draft for later because I don't plan on looking at a single prospect besides just watching college football until the end of the year because I'm going to get fully uh, entrenched in what the four years are doing right now. Uh, Hugo says, I feel like the four years got that formula. Score 20, uh, 25 and hold hold the oppositions to 16. I think that's it. You know, I mean, what you're trying to do is you're trying to occupy the football. You're trying to win um, the time of possession. You're trying to win the turnover battle, win the third down percentage. I think that's what's it. You Time of possession, third down conversion rate, uh, and win the turnover battle. If you do that consistently, you are going to win a lot of football games in the NFL. And that is something the Niners are definitely looking to do. And that's why they brought in guys like TDP to be able to convert on third down. And that's why they, you know, are working on potentially getting these short yardage situations on third by being able to run the football consistently. That's why they brought in Charverius Ward to help him on defense, be able to get off the field on third down so that way they can win and all the while create turnovers with an impressive defensive line that can get after it. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a, a formula that's tried and true in this league. Christopher Blankenship says, do you think Purdy has a chance to beat Sudfeld out for the number two quarterback this year or is he a practice squad bound? I never want to throw anyone into just practice squad, uh, at, you know, without seeing the full performances. But I would say right now, from everything I've seen at training camp, I would believe Brock Purdy is more likely going to be on the practice squad with Sudfeld winning that two job. But we have two more games. So let's see what happens. Uh, let's see what happens. If it ends up working out, yeah, there you go. Then, you know, Sudfeld uh, gets gets moved on. But they paid Sudfeld $2 million guaranteed. I think it's likely that Nate Sudfeld ends up being the backup quarterback. And I think his relationship with Trey Lance has definitely got to play into that a little bit. Hugo G says three phases in. Exactly. As long as the special teams lives up to their uh, billing. And I thought they looked pretty good in the preseason so far. Of course, that's going to change drastically as players get cut and other players make this roster. You know who those uh, special teams guys makeup is. But I like the idea of keep letting um, Robbie Gold kick off, you know, and keeping the leg uh, the punting leg, you know, nice and comfortable there. So I think that th that's one thing that I like so far. So we'll see what Brian Schneider does, but so far so good. Mr. Court says, we will gladly eat some crow on Jake Brendel. I know I will. If Brendel goes out there and plays absolutely fantastic, I think everyone will feel good about it. And I thought he had a pretty good showing in the first preseason game. See what he does against Minnesota. I think it could be good. So I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm definitely excited about that. Um... Golden Dragon says, does anyone know that Trey Lance has the best legs in the NFL? He can be the punter or place kicker of. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a place kicker or a punter, but that would be wild. That would be wild for sure. Of course, our practice squad will get raided if Mason and some linebackers are there. Potentially. I mean, you can protect some of them, right? You're able to protect four players, so they might do that early on in the season. That's something that they could try to do. Um, I, I think Mason is going to show enough, probably, that somebody wants to get him. It was... You know, they can also turn it down. I mean, it was it was in 2020 that Jermichael Hasty uh, could have been claimed off the practice squad, and he decided to stay with the 49ers. He ended up going up to the main roster. 
but we'll see if some of these guys end up wanting to be with San Francisco or if they move on to a you know a roster. Uh, that's something they can definitely decide. So we'll see how it gets there. Uh, don't know for sure. And what's up, Eric Dane? Welcome to chat. Der Eric Dane says, Trey Lance got the TD balls for Danny Gray and Brock Purdy. Small detail, but shows genuine leadership. I love that. You know, I mean, these guys are looking out for each other. We've seen George Kittle do this for people in the past. So I, I think that's a good look for this 49ers um, team and a good look for this leadership, like you said. And I think that shows kind of who Trey Lance is at a as a person. He's just a good guy. And that's why it's going to be easy for this team to follow him because he's going to lead by example. And I think that's important. He plays with an excitement, with an exuberance, um, but he also shows, you know, a lot of leadership and a lot of calmness. I mean, the guy just doesn't get shook when he makes mistakes. I know he didn't make a lot of mistakes in this game that people got to see, but I think it'll eventually happen and people will see the way he stays even keel. Mike Thompson says, do we run the ball more or less than last year? I think it's going to be pretty close to the same. I don't think it's actually going to be more or less, but really close to the same because they're going to want to establish the run game. And also they want to be able to run the ball consistently close to 35 times. So that way they can eat up the clock and keep their defense off the field. You want to keep the opposing offense off the field while keeping your defense off the field and making sure they're rested. So that way, when they need to close the game out, they're all fresh and feeling good. Now, you have a tremendous rotation. I think this defense is going to get off the field more than they normally had with three and outs. So I think it's going to get better and better. But, and you're going to have more opportunities on offense. But longer drives could put other teams in a world of hurt. So, uh, yeah. And uh, Mr. Corey says, Ross Dwelly or Hudson, Ant. Um, right now, I still have Ross Dwelly as the leader between the two because Dwelly's a better blocker. Uh, Hudson has been showing out in the passing game. He's definitely been a better receiver than Dwelly, but Dwelly's uh, definitely uh, serviceable as a receiver and has been a better blocker than Hudson. So I think right now it'd be Dwelly, but I don't think either one of them are going to make this roster now that Charlie Warner is back. Paul says, whether we run more or less, I think we depend on how much Shanahan trusts uh, Trey not to throw interceptions. So I think we may throw more. Uh, it's going to be also determined by what defense they're going against, what that scheme looks like. If a team is is letting you run the football, if they're putting you know six and seven guys in the box consistently, if somebody's worried about you throwing and they're sitting in the nickel and you're having a lot of success with run, uh, you're going to stick to the run. You know, And if somebody's coming in and loading the box and trying to take your run game away, then you're going to throw. So a lot of it's going to be dictated by defense and how the defense is going against you. Uh, that's going to determine whether you run or throw, but um, the mere fact that you're able to run the ball that many times is what's most important. And I think if they can get a run game going and then get a pass game where they can get Trey Lance sometimes outside the pocket, those are good situations for the 49ers and something that Kyle Shanahan likes to do with every offense. So I think a lot of it's going to be determined by defense, uh, and then we'll see what happens after that. But um, I think if you could throw the ball 20 to 22 times, run the ball 35 times, and really eat the clock for over, you know, close to 40 minutes, 35, 40 minutes of, you know, time of possession, you're going to win a lot of football games for sure. Uh, Golden Dragon says, what do you think about head coach Sean Payton? Uh, Sean Payton was a good coach. You know, he did a really good job for a long time. Uh, right now he's on the league. We'll see if he gets back in the league, but uh, don't know for sure. And Donald says, other teams' defense will stack box at some point during the season. Dare Trey to beat them, but believe Trey will and make them pay. And that's the thing. Uh, that throw to Danny Gray, it made people think, you know, because they had a they had a player playing tw you know 15 yards off, and Danny Gray still beat him. That'll put the fear of God into people enough to be like, you know what, we better keep somebody deep because Trey Lance can go down the field to one of these receivers. And so that that fear alone will keep somebody extra out of the box. So instead of seeing an eight man box completely horizontal with those two safeties, you know, coming up and playing really tight. 
Now you're going to get a situation where those guys back up, create more room for you to be able to run the football. That's very beneficial for you. Mike Thompson says, we have a tough schedule this season. Hugo, I hope you're right. Plus, the five runs from Trey, we should dominate their ball. I love that. Uh, I love that. Mr. Corey says, tight end room is Kittle, Warner, and Croft. I'm with you all the way on that, Mr. Corey. I think that's what's, what it's going to be. And thank you all for coming through on this episode. I really enjoyed it. We got to talk about the 49ers and some of the injury updates and also Charlie Warner coming back. We're going to hopefully see Emmanuel Mosley and Hassan Ridgeway come back this week as well against Minnesota as they start working them back in. But thanks, everyone, for coming through. What a tremendous chat it was. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys all again. Enjoy your Sunday. Hope you guys all have a good Sunday. We're getting close to being uh, no Sundays without football. Four Sundays away from us getting to football on Sunday. I can't wait for the NFL to kick off. It's going to be exciting. At least we got preseason right now. So everyone have yourself a good Sunday. Stay safe. And remember, the right way is always the 49ers way. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.